I'm starting in this new series, and it's entitled The Return. Now, you're thinking, oh, the return of Christ, and we're always looking forward to that, but also the return of opening of the church. Today, my message is relaunch. Next Sunday is going to be reignite, and then that third Sunday, it is going to be reengage. That's when we're all together again. But for today, let's get ready for this word that that I believe that the Lord has given to us to share as we relaunch. Heavenly Father, I pray for the work of your kingdom. I pray that the Holy Spirit will fill those homes with the holiness of your presence. Lord, prepare us, Lord, for this relaunch. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, relaunch sounds something like a... Um, I do over, right? And I can remember when I was a kid and and I, I missed up on a play and a game and that was, really wasn't hard to do, not to do well. And and I would shout out, do over, do over, do over. And I always would want to have an opportunity to make a bad play better. Or, or that <laughs> I see men on a golf course that they would want a do over because they sliced the ball or put it in the water and they would want a do over. You know, even as as adults, you know, we all would like to have a do-over at one time or another. That's why people change jobs or, or move to another city or, or students, they, they change their majors. Or some people do even a do-over in marriage, and that's a whole other um, uh, issue to talk about someday. But here's what I want you to know is that what does the Bible have to say? about a do-over, about relaunching. Because as we prepare to relaunch as a church, I want us to also know that the Word of God has something to say that is powerful about, well, those relaunches in the Word of God. For instance, there is Noah. He relaunched. Listen to this. This is wonderful. This is in James. I mean Genesis, the sixth chapter, verse 9. And we read, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. Well, well, when I read that, I'm thinking, well, these people weren't that good. So, I mean, if he's just a little bit good, but he was blameless among the people of his time and walked with God. See, when we look at, at Noah, something begins to emerge out of his life and his actions. And this amazing story tells us that there was trust and obedience in God's provisions. Listen to this in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 7. I'm going to be dealing with a lot of scripture here, so you may want to have your Bibles out or taking notes here. It's by faith. Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark. Now, he built his boat, yet it never rained. So he built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. It is not difficult to see how the author of Hebrews concluded that Noah was a man of faith. Because you could see it through Genesis, the sixth chapter, and the seventh chapter. Genesis 6, 22 says, Noah did everything 
Hear that. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. That's trust. And that's obedience. Again, in Genesis 7, 5, we read, and Noah did all. He did everything and he did all that the Lord commanded him. Trust and obedience. And twice in the same chapter, there we see that chapter 7, verses 9 and 16, as God had commanded Noah, trust and obedience. Here's what's interesting when, when we read the whole narrative, chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9 about Noah, is God's you know, declaration of the flood, his, his commanded them to build the ark, he the entrance into the ark, the description of the flood, the, the description of the floodwaters even, uh, lessening, decreasing, and the exit of the ark. Here's what's interesting is that we never once heard Noah speak. In fact, it isn't until the ninth chapter that we hear anything that was recorded of what Noah said. And here's what I really want you to understand and I want you to focus on. This is what we witness here in chapter 6 up to that point of Noah act speaking. It was nothing but, well, you ever heard someone that say that um, uh, your actions are so loud I can't hear what you're saying? Well, here his actions were so loud. His trust and obedience, he didn't need to say anything. Trust and obey. It's kind of funny when I think of that. We have a gentleman in the church, Skip, and I know right now as he's listening to this, he's probably singing, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But you would have to wonder, what kind of trust relationship Noah must have had with God to be able to do this thing of building this ark and the length of time the mockery of the people of what he was doing, yet he trusted and he obeyed God. There are so many things that are so interesting in, in this whole story, the, the different kinds of animals that came on, and, and we think they all came two by two. I wonder if they came earlier because it, it took them quite a long time to build this ark. Maybe he was gathering this, these animals that whole time. And, and he had this whole zoo that was, was being created. Or the size of this vessel it had to be massive. And the extent of the flood that it covered the world. But however, God makes it very clear above and beyond even these astonishing details that he had a lesson for the people. And is this is that in the relaunch of the world, there must be trusting obedience between Noah and God. And if you want to experience God's blessings, my friend, there is no difference between you and Noah is that we need to learn to trust and walk in obedience of his word. There was, you see, because Noah was a man who had our authentic walk with Christ. In Genesis 6, 9 tells us that he walked faithfully with God. Sometimes a life of faith can be very, well, complex. In the narrative of Noah, 
We can remember how God led Noah for this whole new relaunch of the world, that we can relaunch, right? We, you and I, this relaunch of the church is not just me as a lead pastor and my pastoral staff. It is all of us doing this together. And that relaunch of us being faithfully obedient and trusting in God. Here's a question. What do you want to relaunch in your life, maybe in your spiritual life? Has there been some really challenging moments that you've been going through in the past six months of this pandemic? Are you crying out, Lord, give me some direction? Hmm. It's, well, I want to encourage you that that act of trust and obedience is so vitally important. Believe me when I say that you may feel at times that you are in a boat without an oar. But I want you to know the winds of the Holy Spirit is blowing, even in the midst of all this storm around us. And God will get us to the place that he wants us to be on time in his schedule, and we could trust him, walking in, well, trust and obedience. Well, let's take a look. I really like this story, is the Valley of Dry Bones relaunch. We find that in Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to pull some excerpts out of those six verses. He, now Ezekiel, he, well, God, he, God, set me down, Ezekiel, in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you that you may come to life, and you will know that I am the Lord. Wow, that, now that's a movie waiting to be, well, made, isn't it? It was a dark time at the time of this, this vision that God gave Ezekiel. The people were in exile. The temple was in, well, was destroyed in ruins. Its treasures was taken away. Then God gave Ezekiel this amazing, startling vision. His spirit brought him to a valley of dry bones, a place where there is no life. In this vision, God told Ezekiel, these bones will be relaunched. Well, will come to life that he would, well, make flesh grow back on them and cover you with skin. Then God would breathe on these bodies and they will come to life and stood at their feet. This army. I, I don't know if they had their, their, when they stood to life, if they had their, their swords and their shields and all of a sudden they grabbed that sword and they grabbed that shield and they stood at attention. Because what happened was it was an exceedingly great army. Here's what I want you to know. When the breath of God is blown upon us, no chaos, no troubles, no issues could stop the rising of the body of Christ to be formed into an exceedingly great army. I'm talking to you, my friend, is that God is causing us to rise up. 
that is the church to rise up out of the ashes of all this chaos around us, that the church is going to rise. And listen to me, that you may have felt at times during this past six months a sense of hopelessness or wonder or confusion, but he's blowing the winds of his spirit upon these old dry bones that he's about to rise it up to be heard because if there's anything that the church of the world needs today, it is they need a voice in the wilderness. And that voice is a voice of reason, a voice of faith, a voice, well, speaking the word of God. See, the breath of God is still blowing all around us. And don't forget that he has chosen us by his spirit. He drew us to him. We are his army. So get ready, because that relaunch that you are about to be a part of on September 20th is more than just a relaunch of the church, is that we are being deployed to do much more than just come together, get fed, and go home. There's a work of the kingdom that he has for us as a body of Christ. He is rising up out of the ashes, out of the dryness. And we had the dryness, the hottest August, the hottest summer that we have ever had recorded here in Arizona. Out of the dryness of this area, he's rising up an army of God. And it's called the church. Now, speaking of the church, I love to talk about Pentecost, the relaunch of the church. And as we read the New Testament, we find a very simple, very plain, and very forceful truth is that church rose up because the Holy Spirit made the difference in all the world. Consider these early disciples. Jesus himself taught him for, taught them for three years. What amazing schooling that they went through. It was a university of Jesus Christ. However, no one could ever be part of that unless they were invited into this university of learning. And the only way to be invited, well, for these disciples was Jesus. For us, it's the Holy Spirit drawing us. And this education would have been better than, well, the enrollment into Harvard, Stanton, and Oxford rolled into one. And the reason is Harvard, Stanton, and Oxford don't have the faculty of this university, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yet with such amazing instruction to be able to say, I sat at the feet of Jesus. He didn't want these people to get ahead of themselves and get caught up in themselves. Luke 24, verse 49 says this, Behold, I send a promise of my Father unto you, but tarry, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you, have, you are endowed or empowered with the power from all high. Wow, power from on high. The promise is this promise of the person of the Holy Spirit. And think about this. You're wondering, why would, would they do this? Their whole world collapsed. But, but you see, 
Jesus knew in those 40 days that he kept showing up. He didn't show up one time or twice. He kept showing up multiple times in the lives of these disciples. And believe me, we're no different. It's not a one-time experience that we build our whole faith. It is God continually showing up and showing up and showing up within our lives. But see, he wants, well, well, he's very patient with us because we don't always respond the first time. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, church, in this past six months, Here's what we should have been doing. And you have been. I have been hearing amazing r reports, witnesses of what God has been doing in your individual lives, in the lives of your um, family and people around you. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But they that wait, wait doing nothing, no, wait with expectations, wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, after Pentecost, the Spirit brought a brand new wind, brand new life, brand new experience, because they come to know, well, a whole new presence of an almighty God. They experience that divine joy and peace, and it continued to move within their lives. <laughs> you see, after, well, before Pentecost, the disciples, well, they could only ask questions. After Pentecost, they could answer those questions with authority. The relaunch of the church at Pentecost is no different than our opportunity to give answers to the chaos in this world. And that answer, my friend, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ risen. Now, you want to talk about a relaunch, the relaunches of relaunches, the relaunch of Jesus Christ. It is an absolute necessity that we understand this and that we believe this. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 17 and 19 says, if Christ has not been raised, risen, then your faith, wow, is useless. And you are still in condemnation for your sins. And if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are the most miserable people in the world. You see, my friend, it's more, far more than just this moment or just in this lifetime. It is for all eternity. And yet, sometimes all this doesn't make sense that is going on. We hope for something better tomorrow. But even if it does get better tomorrow, eventually we will stand before our maker. These amazing men, these Jewish men, they, they stood in, 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 in before an almighty God and believing that Jesus was the Messiah. And it transformed their troubled times on earth, knowing that God had something very special for them. But far more than just the faith of these disciples, that resurrection of Jesus Christ dealt with the faith of the world that was around us. Listen, church. Because of the resurrection, we are destined, we are destined to live 
in a new life, in new bodies, in a new heaven, in a new earth. And the experience that will become so enjoyable that everything that we suffer now is nothing, is nothing compared to the glory God will well, give us later. And I know that we, well, we wait anxiously, as his word tells us in Romans 8.23, we wait, anxious, wait anxiously for that day when God will give us our full rights as the children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. Church, I want you to know, it really doesn't make a difference what's going on because there's a transformation that's going on. The only thing that you and I really need to understand is in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us. Because this I know without a shadow of a doubt in 1 Corinthians 15 20. It says, but the fact is that Christ has been risen from the dead. It is something that we could take to the bank. Paul really points this out in 1 Corinthians 15 23. It says, there is an order. I love this. There is an order of this resurrection. Have you, did you know that? That Christ was risen first. Then when Christ comes back, all of his people will be risen. Well, we have hope, church. And that's why I so often speak is that I want you to understand this in absolute confidence. And it's in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? He will perfect it. You want to be perfect? You want a great teacher? You want a great mentor? You want a great life coach? It is Jesus Christ. He will perfect this life, this work in your life. Now, that's a relaunch. In Philippians, I mean, Hebrews 7.25 tells us, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost, those who draw near to him through him, seeing that he lives forever to make intercession for us. You've heard me say this over and over again, is that he's still working for us. God the Father and God the Son are talking about you, and God the Father talks to God the Holy Spirit or what God the Son is taking and that there's a work of the kingdom that is going on in your life that he wants you to remember. That's why we take part of this communion. He wants us to remember what he has done. As in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26 says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are remembering is that we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So here's what I want you to do. As we're preparing to relaunch, I want you to get ready because in proclaiming it, we're not just proclaiming it to each other. We're proclaiming it to the world around us. We are telling Satan himself that he has no, no voice into our lives and that we're declaring that we are followers of Jesus Christ in the midst of this chaos is that he is rising up a body of believers, an army of God. We are about to relaunch. 
more than just the doors of this church, but the gospel of Jesus Christ within this community. And we do this by remembering what he has done. For in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28 says, For I receive from the Lord that which I also pass on to you. I have always loved that about Paul. What I receive, I pass it on. When we relaunch, we receive what God has for us, and we pass it on when we leave this church. And the Lord Jesus on the same night was betrayed. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We're doing this and remembering what he's done. Because we are relaunching in the work of Christ as Noah was relaunched. As Ezekiel, those dry bones was relaunched. As the church was relaunched. As Jesus himself was relaunched in the resurrection. For who, for who, so whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're in a proclaiming business, church. So then, whoever eats his bread and drinks his cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of this bread and drink of this cup. We just have to examine ourselves. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, we examine ourselves right now. We ask that you would speak into our life. Let there be a sense of your presence reminding us that you're about to relaunch not just a church, but the work of the kingdom in each and every one of us. And if my friend, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's your wonderful opportunity. Relaunch something new, something fresh, something much better that that fullness of life that God has for us, that we could walk in absolute confidence as he perfects that work within us. Ask him into your life. And for you followers of Christ, if there's things that you're allowed to come in that to separate you from that walk with him, ask for that forgiveness. And without a doubt, he is faithful and he is just full grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take this bread. This bread is a symbol of, well, of his body. It was broken for us. I believe that he understands that it's by his stripes we were healed. I've been getting prayer requests from people who are going through surgeries and, and, and who have been sick and just going through some very challenging times physically in their life. My friend, this is your time. Let's declare what we believe in that resurrected Lord, that that healing is yours this very day. Heavenly Father, 
bring healing, not only in our bodies, but bring healing in our relationships, bring restoration and healing in our finances, bring those jobs back, Lord. Bring that work, Lord, that fresh new work and that newness of that relaunch of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You could partake. This juice is a symbol of his blood that has been shed. The greatest experience in life is us coming to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because it's not just for that day or for that week, that month, that year, that lifetime. It's for all eternity. Let's celebrate what he has given us through the cross and through the resurrection. That we have life, not only abundantly, but we have life for all eternity. Heavenly Father, we celebrate, Lord, that work of the kingdom. We thank you this day for that salvation, that forgiveness of sins. Lord, not only do we celebrate that in our lives, we celebrate that for our family. Those who made that decision and those who will make that decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may pray.